Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It's a bit like the, the ties are dead radio calls of the past and then popping in a fastest lap. It's just this time. The car's rubbish. And then the next day, just popping in pole position like it's, it's, it's what you would expect from Lewis Hamilton. The unexpected. And that's why we love watching him. Another up and down weekend for Mercedes is over as the boys and girls from Brackley return from Budapest with a P4 and P6 for Lewis Hamilton and George Russell respectively. And we're here to unpack the details and answer all the key questions such as what did the trial qualifying format reveal about the W14's strengths and weaknesses? Where did it go wrong in the race for Lewis? And just how encouraging was George's race against the Aston Martins and Ferrari? Join me, Valve Baines, on this episode of the Silver Arrows podcast as we discuss all the main talking points from the Hungarian Grand Prix. And to help us do all of that, we have two of the podcast regulars in the form of F1 engineer Tom Fletcher and Formula One journo Adam Williams. Adam, hello to you. I was just double checking. You haven't fallen off any bikes in the last week or so, have you? No, I haven't. However, I did return to the line bike scene uh, in London and I did go out in the rain and I had slicks on. It was risky. I I found myself debating with my friend what um, what the intensity was, whether it's intensity one, two, three, four, or five, um, as McLaren Mercedes go into. But despite the occasional slide, I made it um, and I didn't fall off. We're, we're glad <laughs> so you're here, Adam. <laughs> we're glad you're here, Adam. Thank you. Thankfully, you're you're safe and uh, safe and sound. Tom, how are you? Well, yeah, I'm the one who's managed to fall off a bike this week. <laughs> uh, I've got my ribs in, unfortunately. <laughs> Should I be worried if I'm next? Yeah. But yeah, apart from that, it's good to be back. Definitely, yeah, definitely good to be back. And we can't talk about anything else to start, but Hamilton's amazing lap. Adam, where did that come from in quality? Pole 104 for Lewis Hamilton. Well, 
Martin Brundle, who is my colleague, um, which is a bit of a flex, I know. Um, he said that down to a bit of Lewis Hamilton magic, and I think it's clear to see that that was the case. He, he probably got a tenth or two more out of the Mercedes than he should have done. Uh, it was very close in qualifying between himself, Verstappen, uh, Lando Norris, and also Oscar Piastri. So, yeah, he made the difference. I think he, he talked about how committed he was going through turn four, uh, which is a high-speed corner, and we know that the McLaren and Red Bull have really got an edge over the Mercedes there, so he had to to uh, get the cojones out, and, and he did the job there. Um, but it, it, it was so close. What was it? Three thousandths of a second, something like that, between him and Verstappen. Um, but that's the sort of thing that, that you, you get from Lewis Hamilton, as shown by the fact he's done it 103 times before. Amazing. I loved it, and I'm sure everyone else did too. Yeah, it was an absolutely magic. <laughs> it, it definitely was an amazing thing, and um, it was just such a good qualifying. Tom, do you think Lewis outperformed the car in that sense? Uh, yes, I think he did. I think the, the lap itself was pure genius, um, particularly in the slow speed. So uh, one thing he was doing, if you, if you look at turn one, for example, um, he was not not taking effectively, not, not apexing the corner where the apex curve is. So he's leaving a good two or three meters to the apex. And what's that, what, that do, what's, what that is doing is effectively allowing the car to travel faster through the corner. Uh, because radius is, is larger, um, and then that's then charging the aero surfaces, so you can you can run a bit more downforce through the corner. Um, so yeah, turn turn one was a good example of that. He was getting an absolutely amazing drive turn one. Um, really, really, I never thought I'd say that from Mercedes. To be honest, they they always seem to struggle on traction. Um, but yeah, great drive from turn one. The slowest of the car is really really great. And 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 also the slower the the run in the slower speeds and and medium speeds as well it seems to be quite good. Um, so part of that's the car, yep. Um, but like Adam said, turn four, um, he was eight k faster than his his lap before through turn four, which is huge, really, 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 really fast in comparison. So I don't know whether you know it's, it's the car's capable of doing that. Maybe it's just a. a you know, it's, it's in, in the feeling and, and not feeling entirely comfortable at, at, at high speeds um, because it's certainly to go 8K quicker is, is really something special um, and keep it within track limits as well. So, yeah, really great. Um, slightly better through turn 10 as well, another high-speed corner and just carrying more speed. Um, but then the really interesting bit where the car was so great is turn 13 and 14. Um, it's very similar, actually, to... Um, um, Brooklyn's and Luffield at uh, Silverstone the sort of higher end of the speed to medium speed um, long radius corners one then the other um, and it's something that, that Mercedes are starting to look really good at in, in combined loads so braking um, whilst turning uh, and keep, keeping the car stable on the entry it just seems to be so much better than any other car at the moment in, in, in the initial turn in to the apex that all coming together. There was a slight mistake in turn 14. Um, he lost, I think, about about 10 on his previous lap. There was a big snap on the on the way in, just carrying 
a little bit too much speed, but he managed to style it out um, and only lose what a tenth. Um, so yeah, he could have been even further down the road, but yeah, great performance. Mainly his input, I think. Um, I don't think many other drivers would have got that much out of the car, particularly on a on a track like this that is so you know one corner affects the other. It's relentless corners all the way through. Um, so yeah, really impressive job. Um, I'm really pleased for him. I, I think also it, it was a do or die lap, like we say, Tom. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it also feels like Mercedes did what they always do and they improved overnight between Friday and Saturday because Lewis was in such a bad mood after practice. And I remember Martin Brundle standing trackside saying that the Mercedes looked the worst through the penultimate corner. Um, and, and it ended up being one of the best. So they've obviously finessed the setup to a certain extent there. Um, but but yeah, they've really come come alive o- overnight, if you like. And, and I know that Lewis said to Brazilian TV that he was up until five on over Friday night. So really putting in the hours, arguably too many hours, <laughs> um, as, he, as he and the team looked to, to find those incremental gains that obviously added up uh, into a, a, another pole position. It's typical Lewis Hamilton, though, isn't it, to to say um, it's a bit like the the tyres are dead radio calls of the past and then popping in a fastest lap. It's just this time the car's rubbish and then the next day just popping in pole position like it's, it's, it's what you would expect from Lewis Hamilton, the unexpected, and that's why we love watching him. That's really interesting you say, actually, about the Martin Brundle mentioning the, the balance in, in the last two corners. Um, and I think this, this is something that was playing on my mind a little bit. I'm, I'm trying to think um, what was actually going on there, and I think, I think it was a warning sign to them that they, they missed, um, particularly when they're running the high fuel. Uh, I think they, they were blaming the, that, that instability on maybe older tyres, but... Um, really, when both drivers were complaining about it, it, it was more probably due to the balance on, on the high fuel that was causing the issues. Because as we saw, as soon as the, the fuel load comes off, the car is, is behaves really well. Um, so yeah, I'd, I don't know what to make of it, really. I think um, I think, I think the, the, the slightly used tyres may have masked them and then, you know, them not really understanding that, you know, it wasn't the tyres necessarily. It was perhaps a fuel load and and their, their bias towards one lap. So, yeah, really interesting conundrum. It's interesting that Mercedes were struggling on the high fuel because traditionally they've been better in the race than, than in qualifying. And you saw, like you say, Tom, at, at the end of the race, Lewis was catching Sergio um, and potentially for third place. Adam, I just, I just wanted to come to you. You had that flex of saying Martin Brundle's your colleague. And I was watching an interview with another uh, one of your colleagues and Hamilton seemed really, really grateful and shocked after Quali in terms of what happened with FP1, 2 and 3 and then what happened in Quali as well. It's not a flex. I think I can correct it. It's, it's an honour. <laughs> it is. He's, he's probably the one the one guy that I've been starstruck by still. Um but yeah, look, look, it's been a really tough time for Lewis Hamilton, relatively speaking, let's say. Like, obviously, he lives a good life and, and there are those very worst times. But since Abu Dhabi 2021, he's not been able to fight back, which is what he feels he, he deserves to do. It's what his team feels he deserves to do. And it's 
It's almost what the world feels he deserves to do. He's the goody in Formula One. I'm not saying that there is a bad guy Verstappen, or Verstappen, people. Verstappen. Um, I'll leave that up to yeah, yeah. Well, I'll leave that up <laughs> to people to decide. But Lewis Hamilton is the good guy, the superhero, and it's as though he lost some of his superpowers through no fault of his own after he lost a title through no fault of his own. But we won't go down there. So. With all of that being added up, um, it's, it's it'll be just relief that all this work is paying off. He's still got it, and and even though I I think it's it's fair to say if he if the greatest ever, he's one of them. Still at, at thirty seven, no thirty eight. Still at thirty eight, he needs to to kind of prove to himself that he is the best. So I I think back to my macker, he would need a test session before each and just to prove to himself that he could still do it i guess this is just a reminder to himself that he's still got it um what what was it i just thought of that great radio message um one of you might be able to remember from where it came but where, where he said still got it bono still got it um but yeah i love that one uh, <laughs> can anyone remember that race do do write in or comment if you can remember it <laughs> Um, because I'd like to know. <laughs> I'll probably look afterwards, but yeah, um, it, it's relief, isn't it? Yeah, you, you can see the the relief just coming <laughs> coming out of his face. So talking and going from car forty four, let's go to car sixty three. Strategy error on George's side for Tom, leaving leaving him too late and starting the race on Sunday at P eighteen. Yeah, to be honest, that was a, a really really bad call from uh, Mercedes there. Uh, to to effectively leave their second run to the last, I can see why they, they they've left it to the last minute as as usual. Um, you can see why they've done it. Obviously, they've had no running on that tire um, through through practice, um, uh, and you know it's it's because of that they've then panicked and thought maybe maybe track evolution is is higher than we thought. So you know we're going to have to hold the cars back and make sure. They're the last to start their laps, um, and then completely misjudged how the traffic would affect them. Um, with not just George, but Lewis as well. I mean, Lewis was in real danger as well, cruising up and jockeying with I think it was Leclerc. Um, and we know we know the tire prep is so so crucial, particularly on the Mercedes on the harder tire. And you know they're struggling to get temperature in as it is at the best of times. To then have to start your flying lap without the prep cruising at almost walking speed is just not ideal at all. And then um, George having to, to yield in the last corner to a, an alien that goes up the inside. Um, he's running around on effectively the marbles or the dust. And then, yeah, straight away losing out three tenths just from the exit down the straight. And then you've got to then fight turn one with dirty cold tyres. And it's just, yeah, not not really acceptable for a, a team of this caliber particularly as it's not a common it's not uncommon for them to start doing this now um it's happened UK, a few occasions now from memory um but yeah that then ruined not only today but his race as well unfortunately so yeah and also could have pulled lewis out of um out of his quality spot uh p and um, pole position sorry so yeah um another bad mark for mercedes unfortunately um but then again actually uh, I think Lewis managed to manage it a bit better. Uh, he, he, I think he just he judged the gaps a bit, a bit better. 
than than George did. I think he left way too much of a gap between him and Lewis, um, and then uh, that effectively what's allowed everyone to go. Oh, I want that space, and then push. They will push past him. Um, so yeah, I think if he just got on with it, followed Lewis through, he he would have been okay. But, you know, it was a really difficult situation for both drivers. Yes, it's a great point you make there, Tom. And and if that is Ferrari then the media storm will be Ferrari mess up again and they'll make more. Um, whereas the traditional thinking is that Mercedes are, are very sound in terms of their strategy, and they are in general, but but you're right, it's, it's happened a few times and Lewis's experience ultimately got him out of that situation where in Ferrari, they, the, the drivers maybe don't have quite that experience um, and, and that, I think is what made the difference there because it, it was a nervy few minutes there, uh, especially for someone watching it without sound on because I was in a pub at the time. Um, it's not the ideal experience to watch F1 in a pub with no sound, but, but don't you worry. When Lewis went on pole, I made sure they knew about it. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tom, you talked about tyre prep, so I want to talk about the the new sort of qualifying format that was used at the Hungara Ring this weekend, the alternative tyre allocation, also known as ATA. And Tom, it revealed some interesting things about the W14 and how it operates as tyres as well. Yeah, well, not just the W14, but it was interesting to see how the whole field reacted differently to different compounds. The, the way that I like to think of it is it's a bit like spinning plates. Each Each tyre is independent. Um, and, and you're spinning plates with different cars, working different tyres differently. Um, and it, it, it turns out to be quite an interesting thing to watch, to be honest. Um, I don't know how much of that was down to not having enough tyres to, to run in practice. Um, it's something that we'll touch on later, I think, with Mercedes and um, how they do struggle when they don't get their, their data that they need in, in practice. They're going to have to make the show interesting in some respect, and that's why... We're getting the sprint races and, and little tweaks here and there. And, and they'll make a tweak, I think, at the next uh, the, the next trial of these three different sets of tyres in qualifying. And hopefully that just refines it a little bit like Mercedes refine their car overnight. So moving on to Sunday, moving on to the race. Adam, I was so excited to see Lewis Hamilton at pole position for the first time in ages. But his start 
wasn't so great, was it? It wasn't, which was a bit of an issue because it just ended the race. We knew the result as soon as his start was bad. And it's really unusual for Hamilton Mercedes to have bad starts. Everyone was talking about it, and it is true. They do tend to start well. Um, and, and Lewis Hamilton still got good reactions, and he did react well at the start. It's just in the second phase, it, it seemed that he had a little bit of wheel spin, and as a result, Verstappen was able to get up alongside him. Hamilton was forced wide by the Dutchman, and, and that allowed both McLarens through. And ultimately, that decided Hamilton's race, because I, I think that the McLarens and the Mercedes they're very close in, in, in terms of pace. They've got different strengths. And perhaps Hamilton could have, have held up one or, or both of the McLarens if, if he'd have, well, if, if things had been different and, and maybe Verstappen had t- overtaken him like a lap later where, where things had, had come out in the wash a bit uh, cleaner than they did for him. But uh, yeah, the, the start was crucial and the start was not what you want as a Mercedes fan. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Adam. Um, in my in my opinion, it, would, it was literally. I thought, you know, he, Lewis is going to be leading by turn one. It, I had I had that set in my mind. I I yeah. was so shocked when it didn't happen. Um, and like Lewis was saying, he 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 said he said he hit his numbers. So what, what he's meaning is, um, he's he's released the clutch at the RPM that the engineers have told him to do, and he's he's followed his shifts as as what was predetermined. Um, but still unusually getting a, a very slow start um on in the second phase uh, i i've also heard some some negative criticism maybe about how you know he tried to cover the inside but maybe squeezed verstappen um for, for too long uh, maybe should have cut back and then and then gone underneath um uh, verstappen to get the exit of turn one and, and pull alongside but in my opinion, in, in those circumstances, it's so, so difficult. I think you're better off to hold where you are rather than trying to chop across the track, uh, not knowing where other cars are around you. So, uh, yeah, maybe he played it too safe, but I think experience told him that, you know, you need to stay stay where you are um, and just, just take the hit on the exit. Um, but, yeah, apart from that, I think he, he did drive a good race, Um he wasn't overdriving, for example, and uh, and with some good good stints, but um, ultimately it was the start that, that killed it for them. I think the start was particularly surprising, uh, given how dirty the inside traditionally is, in, uh, or the even numbered side uh, for, for the Hungarian Grand Prix. And there was that stat that second place had not won the race. Um, but one time, sorry, second place had only won the race one time around the Hungara ring for the for the last twelve years. Lewis Hamilton in twenty sixteen, um, but but yeah, Verstappen got great driver off second place, and and that that ultimately was a stat that, that misled us and and put both Tom and I, and I'm sure many others, into a false sense of security. Uh, but, but yeah. Um, it, I think it was it was clear that Verstappen was going to win. It's just it could have been a little bit more interesting how he won. But it's interesting what Toto Wolff was saying about Mercedes being the second quickest car. Zach Brown told Sky that McLaren were the second quickest car. Only one of them is right, and I'm not sure either of them fully knows. Uh, but as I, as I was talking about, it could have been a different story had that, that start 
led to Hamilton being ahead of the McLarens, uh, and he was coming back at Sergio Perez. So there was some pace within that Mercedes, and it appeared as though Toto was saying perhaps Lewis and Mercedes were a little bit conservative in, in terms of bedding those tyres in at, at the beginning of the final stint, and, and perhaps they could have got on with it and started chasing Sergio Perez a little bit more um, towards the end. Uh, just, a, just a little anecdote, uh, anecdote uh, that I, I know we were talking, we've talked about the start, but I was in another pub in London uh, on Sunday to watch the race. Now, usually I don't like being in pubs, as I've already established, but I had um, my mate down from uh, Birmingham to visit me in London and we were eating our drinking uh, and drinking our way around London, as you do. Um, and, and we found this place in Camden with no sound once again, but some Dutch fans came and sat on our table so they could watch the race. And I was getting so nervous. And then when Verstappen got through, they laughed and all I could do was kiss my <laughs> teeth and, and, and try not to say anything rude. That sort of noise. That's all I could do. But uh, yeah. Um, you almost have to bite your lip, don't you? <laughs> I know that if Hamilton had won that race, I would have been <laughs> given it large. So uh, <laughs> maybe it's a good thing he didn't win. No, it's never a good thing Lewis <laughs> Hamilton losing as Mercedes fans. But yes, the point is the start made the difference. I think Mercedes and McLaren are very close and it's going to be exciting and interesting to see in the, in the upcoming races, uh, the back and forth uh, for best of the rest, as they call it. Yeah, talking about Mercedes and, and McLaren, Adam, after the first round of pistols, Hamilton actually jumped on the radio questioning how they'd fallen so far behind the McLarens. We've actually got a question from Kiwi on Twitter. And uh, Tom, if you don't mind, if you take this one. So Hamilton lost four seconds on his outlap and five seconds on the subsequent five laps. Is this to bring the tyres gently such that he can attack towards the end of the sink? Or was it that Hamilton was struggling with tyre warm-up on the hards? Interesting. Well, I think uh, Adam has uh, already touched on this a little bit um, by saying what, what Toto was effectively saying by um, when he, he said that maybe they, they were a bit too conservative to start with. For, for me, looking at his lap times, I mean, he's come out, come out the box and done a 25.8 followed by a 25.5 before then dropping 1.3 seconds down into into his stint pace so for me that that looks predetermined it's like you know they've they've agreed that's what the lap time is going to be um if, if it was more tire warm-up i'd expect the, the lap time to slowly come in to where they settle um so yeah i think maybe they were again this links back to the whole um them not being able to use the tyres in, in, in free practice, which really hurt them, I think. Um, but then, yeah, both both McLarens were able to come out the pits and then jump straight into the 23s and, and, and low 24s. So, yeah, for me, maybe it's a bit of both. Maybe it's a bit, it's a bit that, that, you know, he was driving to a predetermined lap time. Um, and then on top of that, it took a little while for the tyres to come in. Um whereas the, the, the um, McLaren was able to fire them up pretty quickly and then could continue the pace throughout the whole stint. Um, but yeah, I think the stint on the hard was, was a bit poor anyway from the Mercedes. We, we knew that it wasn't the tie for them. But uh, unfortunately, as the deg went, we couldn't use a soft, so, which would have been the ideal tie for them. But um, it were in terms of relative pace. So 
yeah, I think yeah, mainly mainly it's it's it was a predetermined call I think from the team, backed up by Toto saying you know maybe we're a bit conservative. So um, I'm sure they'll go away and look at that and 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 get on top of that quickly. Hamilton also Adam had a, a late surge on Piastri and Perez during the end of the race. He did, and that that's what Toto Wolff was referring to as per, perhaps a little bit of regret that they'd not got on with it a little bit earlier uh, because he could well have picked up that podium place that would have given us a little bit more to smile about. And I think it, it was potentially possible. While Perez wasn't getting the most out of that Red Bull, Hamilton should be <laughs> taking advantage and taking the podium. Yeah, Lewis's stint on the medium was extremely impressive. And I can see why Toto's saying the second fastest car. Um mainly because of the cooling issues they had um, with PU and, and brake temperatures. And obviously Lewis is not, he's not able to drive hundred percent. So he's doing, he's doing a bit of management in that stint as well. Um, so, and this, this brings us back to the question as well. Uh, despite running quite a draggy rear wing, we know their efficiency isn't quite as good as the, the McLaren and the Red Bull, for example, but in, in, on this circuit, even though, you know, the, the, the straights aren't long, um, but they were actually very similar in the speed traps, uh, only marginally slower. Um, I think some of that is down to the cooling and, and running running tighter and more marginal on their cooling package uh, to, to try and shed some drag. That should explain that by the cooling the car, you introduce drag to the car. So you want to trim that down as much as possible. And I think they were really pushing what they could achieve uh, in terms of reduced cooling to to gain in, in, in reduced drag uh, and I think that led them to the to the overheating issues um, so yeah with that in mind it's a very very good stint on the medium to, to close off I know they had the bias for the setup more towards low fuel and that's became apparent as soon as the fuel burnt off we saw great pace come back to the car um, and then I think that then links back again to, to FP1 uh, and 2 and three as well, where limited running has masked the issue. That that issue was there in in broad daylight for everyone to see in FP1 and 2. Uh, I'm sorry, in, in FP2 mainly um, on the high fuel. Uh, and I think that they've just missed using using the excuse of uh, the, the tyres being old and, and, and use, only using one set of mediums in that session. Uh, they used that as, a, as a, an excuse for why the balance was poor to the drivers and you know, didn't really listen to them, I don't think. I think drivability is perhaps something that, that could be a differentiator as, as Mercedes and McLaren Mercedes go head-to-head because Lewis was talking about how he didn't enjoy a single lap driving that Mercedes, which is still clearly fairly quick, um, whereas the McLaren drivers seem a, a little bit more at ease driving the car. Maybe it's because they've been driving such a rubbish car and and all of a sudden it feels amazing, a little bit like George Russell jumping in the Mercedes from from the Williams um, and feeling like that was better last year. Um, or, or it could be that the drivability is better um, and, and as a result that, that could pay a, a circuit certainly like Singapore later in, in the season where you, you need to have the confidence in your car. Um, saying that, Ham- Hamilton... Can still put it all on the line, but I guess around the Hungaro ring, the barriers aren't quite as close as, as in other tracks, and and as a result, he could afford to to make 
those those calculated risks um whereas he might not do so later on um but yeah i'm i'm not sure george seemed fairly happy in in his car as he came through the pack so maybe it was just a lewis thing uh, demanding even more because that's that's the thing that he keeps on saying, isn't it? He's not interested in race wins. He's interested in championships. Although he seemed pretty interested in that pole position on Saturday, um, having said all of that. Uh, yeah, I just think that drivability is another important thing to look out for. It's, it's definitely one of those those hot topics that we need to keep an eye on. The car looked very pacey at the end of the race, which has led Shane on Twitter to ask, the car looked better on the softs and the mediums on low fuel. So do you think our quality and sprint performance will improve for the remainder of the season, Tom? Unfortunately not. I think, yeah, like we said no. earlier, that, you know, it, the car has... Tom, you're killing me. Yeah, the car has been biased towards uh, the, the one that pace. Maybe because they thought, you know, it's a bit... It's a bit difficult to overtake here, so maybe they thought, you know, one lap pace is more more important, or maybe slightly more important than race pace, um, in order to get the track position uh, at the start of the race. But yeah, I just think it, it's it's all in the setup, unfortunately. Um, and I could be wrong. I just hope I'm wrong. But um, yeah, particularly in, in in this this type of circuit, it's really important to get the balance right because. It's effectively a one corner after the other, and, and each corner affects the, another, the next corner. So, one mistake in the corner before will then impact corners down down the road. So that's why it's so important to, to get that balance right. And I think, yeah, it was all it was all done for the one lap pace, unfortunately. And let's not forget, uh, going back to why Lewis got that pole position, Budapest is a track that has always suited him, um, and. It's no wonder he's got pole position nine times. The more pole, he's got more pole positions now at a single track than any other driver in driver in history, which is incredible. But it's become the standard for Hamilton, and 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 Hungary is a track probably alongside Montreal, and in recent years, more recent years, Silverstone, where Hamilton has performed consistently and done really well, and it's it's that one corner after another uh, that, that really suits his driving style. You might be able to explain technically why that is, Tom. I don't know. Um, but but yeah, Budapest does seem to suit that uh, Hamilton's style. And maybe that's something that, that kind of covered up some of uh, the reasons uh, for Mercedes uh, not being quite as quick as Red Bull and, and, and McLaren this, this race. It seems to be a really happy hunting ground for Hamilton at the Hungarian Ring. And George had a great run through from P18, beating Aston Ferrari on pace. So Adam, a huge positive from the weekend, perhaps overshadowed by the disappointment of how far Hamilton fell behind at Red Bull. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for me, George was the driver of the day. I don't know why Sergio Perez was voted driver of the day for some reason. Uh, for for finishing third in the fastest car, whereas George Russell, look at him, and and yeah, he he has good reason to be happy, and uh, he he was great in terms of strategy too, uh, to to be adaptable and and make the most of what came uh, because uh, he he ran long, probably waiting for a safety car to happen. It didn't quite occur, but he still made made the strategy work and he, he got on with it and he was making overtakes and making the race interesting to be fair as well. 
with with all the overtakes he was doing, I, I took my friend along. It was the first time he's ever seen a Grand Prix from start to finish, bless him. It was a boring one, relatively speaking. Um, and I don't think he'll be doing it in a hurry, but he was pleased with George Russell, keeping him awake and, and entertained. And, and yeah, just what George needed after the disappointments of Saturday, um, which he will learn from, the team will learn from, and, and they can move forward. It's, it's not a huge amount lost at the end of the day, um, other than maybe a couple of points because George rectified it on Sunday with a great drive. Yeah, for me, I was really impressed with uh, George's drive. It was very calm and methodical, um, particularly into turn one, not getting carried away, sort of sitting back a little bit and, and watching that pile up um, it, uh, unfold. Uh, and then, yeah, making making advantage of that and coming out in P14 um, and then showing some some fairly good race pace, not quite as good as Lewis, um, but it was it was up there and consistent as well. Uh, somehow managed to make the overcut work on Alonso. Uh, not quite sure how he did that. Um, and then the the genius move on Science was just I was lost for words when I saw it. Really, really unusual move to to effectively move out out the dirty air around the outside and get the drive off the last corner. Really impressive um, on the spot thinking. Really, really great. Uh, I've only ever seen Lewis do something like that really at at um, where was it uh, Brazil. Uh, 2021, uh, moving offline to to ge- generate some more downforce to give you a better um, exit into the last corner down the straight. Um, so yeah, really impressive. And then managing to get past both Ferraris, Leclerc with getting a bit lucky with the or his bad luck, gen- um, getting the five second penalty for speeding in the pit lane, um, meaning that you know we're ahead of both both McLaren, um, both Mercedes are ahead of um, uh, the Ferrari and, and Aston Martins, which is important for the constructors. So yeah, I think for me, he was actually driving the day. To be honest, I don't think I don't think Perez deserves that. Um, George George drove a stellar race. Yeah, I think I have to make it three for three and make uh, George our driver of the day. We can have our own uh, Silver Arrows podcast driver of the day. So uh, George Russell, if you're listening, the driver day is all yours for the uh, Hungarian Grand Prix. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. But covering an area we've spoken about in recent weeks, we had a really interesting question for Peter Cummins via Twitter who asked, Tom, if you if you want to take this one, it's got your name all over this. So what do you think the car's strengths are now? As in Barcelona, it seemed medium to high speed. In Silverstone, it seemed low speed. Now after Hungary, I'm confused. And do Mercedes actually know themselves? So Peter Cummins, thank you for your question. Yeah, it's a good good question. I, th- I think they've effectively completely changed the philosophy of the car, really. Um, and, and like we said at Silverstone, you know, the focusing on the, on the slow speed, and they've done it. They've achieved what they've set out to do. They're easily the fastest in the slow speed, um, and even to, towards the medium speed as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's a difficult question because 
I think they do know, um, and I think probably the, the steps they've taken in the slow speed have, have caused issues in the high speed, maybe. Um, and and you know they will start to focus in on the high speed, maybe. But the important thing is that despite being slower in in, in the high speed, they weren't actually losing that much time. So um, on the quality lap, anyway. So that's all down to you know spending more time more of the percentage of the lap is done in the slow speed so um yeah so the updates they're bringing are working um in it, only in the slow speed and medium speed maybe but um yeah it does the front wing's doing exactly what it says on the tin it's it's helping the medium speed and i think i haven't quite put my finger on it uh, on how they're doing it but i think it's probably to do with how um, you enter a slow speed corner, you know, you don't, you don't just, the car doesn't just become a slow, a slow speed, you know, you, you, you trail the brake in and, and by doing that, having a more consistent ramp down in, in downforce, which gives the driver more confidence, um, as, as you tend towards the apex. Um, so yeah, all, all of these little things are, are helping. And I think, you know, I think, uh, Mercedes are being quite clever with the upgrades that they're bringing um, in in terms of how those upgrades are going to go onto next year's car, um, and and also I do think that maybe some of the the upgrades that they had or said they had for Silverstone that they canned, I think probably they would help in the high speed, but not benefit next year's car. So they've decided to to scrap them. It's just a hunch. Yeah. So then then bringing or scrapping the the upgrades are going to help them in the high speed, but then probably uh, impact next year's development uh, is very clever. And I think they have the measure on um, uh, Aston Martin as we stand and Ferrari. They know that McLaren are coming, but realistically they need around 13, they need to outscore Mercedes by 13 points, around 13 points uh, every single race in order to, to, to overtake them in the championship. So I think they're just monitoring that and doing uh, as little as possible and as much as necessary to keep ahead um, in, and, and uh, achieve that P2 in the, in the constructors. Red Bull are gone. There's no chance in catching them. So that I think they know, you know we're better off focusing on next year um, and, and doing as much development as carry over as possible. I think that it's, it's actually quite a smart way that they're, they're approaching the situation, I think. Um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see next year, unfortunately. It almost feels as though the Mercedes is an all-rounder uh, compared to uh, the, the Ferrari and Aston Martin, certainly. I, I'm not sure about the McLaren. We're, we're yet to see all all of uh, what it's got in terms of all, all the different types of tracks. Um, but that is what is putting them in, in P2 in the championship, the fact that they are consistent in... In, if not being the second fastest car, at least the third fastest car and, and in and around the podium and, and just operationally being sound other than in qualifying sometimes. And that is good to see that it's still there. Um, and hopefully they, they take the same operational approach uh, to developing the car so that it's, it's stronger next year. And, and that's what the Red Bull is. It's an all-rounder as well to a certain extent. So hopefully that is the way to go. That Well, we know that that is the way to go. That's what wins championships, having a car that is quick on any circuit on any given day. Uh, Red Bull is doing that at the moment and 
Mercedes will hope that being smart, like Tom's just spoken about there uh, with, with their upgrades this year and, and thinking about the big picture, which is next year and, and 2026 with the, with the um, changes there and, and potential chances there, that is what's going to get Lewis Hamilton or George Russell as well as the Silver Arrows back on top. Progression, not perfection. So I'm hoping, yeah, in 2024 that, that we do have a title winning car, but hopefully George as well. But away from the track, Lewis encouraged journalists to look into how and when Red Bull lost their double DRS advantage in some fairly weighty comments implying something suspicious had gone on. Adam, you're at Sky Sports F1. Is there anything in that? He did keep on bringing it up he, when he was speaking to to Craig and, and Ted was talking about it as well. And I can only assume that he feels that the Red Bull were doing something illegal with their DRS deployment. Um, but if he thinks that Red Bull are slowing down, I, I, I think that that's not necessarily correct because if I'm not mistaken, they won by their biggest margin. Uh, around Budapest maybe to make a point off the back of these comments who knows but yeah it, it feels like it's not a silly season but it's political season in Formula 1 we had it last year uh, starting around the Singapore Grand Prix uh, where where there were, there were certain claims being, being going around about the cost cap and, and those sorts of claims are coming back round again so um, maybe, maybe we could speak about that in a minute, but um, I don't know what Hamilton's trying to do there, but he's the biggest voice probably in the sport. Uh, so if Mercedes feel that something is going on with Red Bull, then he's quite happy to be that mouthpiece for his team. So, yeah, I can't imagine that he's just come up with this on his own. Mercedes obviously feel that there's something, but I, I, I don't know what there there is there could be maybe Tom's got an opinion or um, a more informed view on this, but I don't know any more than you do. Yeah, I've been struggling with this one to be honest. I don't. I'm not yeah. quite sure um, what he's implying. Um, mainly because I, for me, I, I can't see Red Bull using DRS to cheat. I mean, the car's far enough, fast enough without it. So you know, what's the point in, in effectively painting a, a great big arrow in your data to say, look, DRS is, is open and we're going this this quickly versus when it's shut. Um, I just I just can't see it being a, being a thing that they'd cheat with. Maybe he's frustrated that they, the team might know that they, they are cheating in some way, should I say, but they just don't know what it is maybe. And, and you know, he's trying to get it out there is that's the most obvious performance mechanism we've seen Um uh, them using so um, maybe it's just a way of, of getting momentum going for, for people to start investigating and, and making allegations and then and then trying to trying to get to the bottom of where, where the pace is coming from um, but yeah I, I can't I can't see the DRS being a source of cheating for from from Red Bull to be honest it, it definitely seems like it was very interesting the way he was wording uh, what he was saying to, to the interviews in terms of you should check this and you should check that. So yeah, we're interested to see what, what comes out. And as we're approaching the, the summer break, but up next is Belgium. Peter Cummins had a second question asking, what should we expect in terms of Mercedes performance from Spa? And do you think they'll bring any significant upgrades to improve performance, Tom? Uh, unfortunately, they're going to need to, I think. 
Um, their their aerodynamic efficiency just isn't up there with with McLaren, for example. Um, and I think, to be honest, Williams are looking like a threat to them at the moment. Uh, so yeah, they're going to have to bring something to to try and boost that uh, aerodynamic efficiency. Efficiency. Obviously, you've got that that long camel straight. That's, they're just going to be a sitting duck if they try and put any kind of wing on the car. So um, yeah, they're going to have to come up with something. Unfortunately, uh, we won't we won't see. Yeah, that you you can see Mercedes going quite all right through the middle sector of Spa. It's it's just the the second and, and final, oh, sorry, the first and final sector is the big problem, and that's where you can see Red Bull pulling off and and McLaren too with with the updates that they have. Um, yeah, it it could well be that Williams are the third fastest car um, in in Spa uh, because yeah, I'm not sure that from. Although saying that Ferrari were quite good in Austria, so maybe they'll be ahead of Mercedes as well. Um, yeah, it's it's going to need to be an update, or accept that it's not going to be a good race. Unfortunately, I, I, I'm agreeing with you there, Tom. Uh, but you never know. There's sometimes a little bit of inclement weather around the Arden Forest that, that can spice. No, I don't like using the word spice things up, given what's gone on there recently. Um, but 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 change things around. Tom, Adam, thank you so much for joining me here on the Silver Arrows podcast. A pleasure. Thank you, Bell. Thank you very much for having us. And that's all we have time for this week. A massive thank you to Tom and Adam for joining us. Their social media handles are in the show notes. And thanks to you for listening. Do remember to follow us on Twitter at Merck F1 Pod and hit that follow button in your podcast app. If you're enjoying these episodes and feeling extra kind, drop us a review and share this episode with anybody you think may enjoy it. We'll see you after Belgium. <laughs>